0: Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 37. Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel this morning? Mark chapter 8. Jesus went out, along with his disciples, to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, but others, one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them. But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about it. And he began to teach to them them, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For for what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father. With the holy angels, this is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. We live in a world and in a culture full of words. There are words everywhere that we turn—spoken words, written words. We encounter them everywhere that we go. In fact, I heard somewhere once that the average person uses speaks between 7,000 and 20,000 words a day. In addition to all the speaking that we do ourselves in our, our business exchanges, our personal conversations, and so on and so forth, we are inundated with words from all kinds of sources. Our days are just filled with words, and often words that seek to grab our attention. Words of politicians. Words of advertisements of news anchors. Even words of preachers. Words that seek our allegiance, that want to be heard. Words in newspapers and magazines, on the internet, television, the radio. Everywhere we go, we are constantly surrounded by words. Even here on Sunday morning. A lot of what we do is word-centered. A lot of what we do involves a lot of words. We, we pray with our words. We sing the words of songs. We read the words of Scripture. And then, of course, I'm probably the worst culprit of all because then I get up here and use words for about 20 to 25 minutes and probably use up my allotment of 7,000 to 20,000 words for the day all in my sermon everywhere we go we are just surrounded by words even here in our worship service so in a world like that in a world like ours where words are constantly around us where we have such an endless onslaught of words in every moment of our day it's begin to think it's easy to begin to think that our words are of very little consequence. I mean, after all, they're not rare. And usually we associate importance and value with things that are rare. With so many words floating about on every part of our existence and every part of our day, it's easy to think that our words don't have a lot of meaning, that they don't have a lot of value, that they don't have a lot of power, that they're relatively meaningless. It's easy to think that it's not really a big deal if we're kind of reckless with our words. I mean, after all, who's really listening? With all these words that are spilling about at every moment, what possible difference could our words make in a world like this? Surely I can say whatever I want, and it won't really matter. So as we come to our text in James this morning, James chapter 3, and James says things like anyone who is able to control the tongue is a perfect person. That may be a little hard to believe. It may be difficult to imagine that how we use our tongue, how we use our words is really that important. James even goes on to say that the tongue is like the rudder of a large ship. That even though it is one of the smallest parts of the ship, it is able to control everywhere that that ship goes, even though it is pushed along by strong winds. James says that's what the tongue is like for us, that even though it's a small part of the body, it boasts great things. That it has a tremendous power, and he even suggests that it has power to lead us where it wants to go, rather than us controlling it and controlling the words that come out of our mouths. James even compares the tongue to these raging wildfires, the kind that are going on around the city of Los Angeles all this past week. James says, Consider how a small spark sets on fire even a great forest. Can James be serious here? Can our tongues, our words really have that kind of power? Can our words really be as destructive as a great forest fire? Surely, James must be exaggerate. Surely, words can't possibly be that powerful, that important. They can't possibly have that much consequence. I mean, after all, we all know the saying, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... But you know, I tend to think that our kids learn that little phrase because they know exactly how much words really do hurt. I mean, isn't that right? Don't our kids learn that phrase as a kind of defense mechanism? I mean, they know how much words hurt, how much they can hurt, how deeply they can cut. And so they go around reciting this macho little phrase, trying to be tough because they know that they've been hurt by words in the past. That someone in the past has said something to them that deeply hurt them, that was deeply painful. And so now this phrase is a kind of way of saying, you know, I know how powerful words really can be, but I'm not going to let them hurt me. I'm going to be tough. And you know, it's, it's not just kids either. I mean, sure, as we get older, as we become adults, perhaps we become a little less sensitive to the words of others. But I think we know that those words still hold tremendous power. I mean, I think that we've all been in situations where something that somebody said to us, whether it was a parent or a teacher or some other family member or a friend, those words had the power to lift us up. We've all encountered words that had the power to inspire us. To do things that we wouldn't have done otherwise without those words. And of course, we've seen the opposite too. We've not only seen it, but we've experienced it. We've tasted the bitterness of receiving words that hurt us. That deeply scarred us, not only as children, but even as adults. In fact, who among us hasn't seen... Marriages, friendships, families, ripped apart by nothing more than words. Words have destroyed careers and reputations and even churches. These simple little things that pass between our lips that we think have no or little consequence, and yet somehow they have this tremendous power. It is almost inexplicable how in our world, filled with so many words, our words words still have this remarkable power. Our words even have the power to perpetuate biases against whole groups of people simply because of the ways that we label them. On the other side of things, our words have the power to comfort and to inspire. Words like amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Simple words written on a page have the power to form and shape the destiny of an entire nation. Words like we, the people of the United States of America, in order to form... A more perfect union. Somehow, inexplicably it seems, words have this this tremendous power, for good or for ill, to give life and to destroy it. But it seems that too often, as Christians, we have forgotten how powerful our words can be we have forgotten how great a consequence they can have in our world. We tend to think that just because our world is inundated by these words, that they don't really mean anything. Too often, our language doesn't look any different from the culture around us. Now, yes, of course, we do a pretty good job of our language not being quite a style. Because we concentrate on avoiding a few specific words that our culture finds offensive. Our language may be a little bit different in that way. But as Christians, the use of our words runs so much deeper than that. It's so much deeper than just avoiding a few certain words. It comes down to the way that we speak to one another. It comes down to whether or not we build each other up or tear each other down with the words that come out of our mouths. The way that we use language as Christians has not only to do with the way that we talk to each other and and whether or not we talk behind each other's backs or, or say things about people. It also has to do with the way that we talk about God. When it comes to the way that we talk about God in in our prayers, in our doctrines, just in our common everyday speech about who God is, the way that we tell others about God, the way that we engage our culture in our conversations about God, the words that we choose are important. They reflect what it is that we really believe. In fact, I heard a story just this week about a preacher. And you know, preachers are not exempt from this. Let me just say that very clearly. In fact, sometimes preachers are the worst culprits of misusing words and reflecting God. I heard a story just this week about a preacher who openly and publicly said that he was actively praying that a prominent politician whose policies that he disagreed with would die. He openly said that he hoped that this politician would melt like a snail that had had salt portal, that he was praying actively for this. And he took the time to make this widespread, to make this well-known in this community. I don't say that this morning because I want to make fun of this other preacher or because I want to make myself look a little bit better by comparison. I say that this morning because I hope it offends you. I hope it bothers you. That a brother in Christ would talk that way about somebody. I mean, how many people are going to be driven away from the Gospel of Jesus Christ, from the Lord and God that we serve, simply because of that preacher's language? Simply because of the words that pass out of his mouth? It didn't even need his actions or anything else to accompany that. Just the simple fact that he made this statement drives people away from the Gospel. How many people will think simply because of that one preacher's words that the God that we serve is vengeful and angry and vindictive just because of the words of this one preacher? You know, it's been said many times before that the world doesn't read the Bible. The world reads Christians. And a big part of others reading us, looking to us to see what kind of people we're going to be and whether or not we're going to reflect the love of God that we talk about in our mission statement week after week, a big part of that is how we use our words. Do we use them in love to build each other up? Or do we use them to tear down others and to spew out angry poison? It doesn't build up anybody. We simply cannot go around talking about God and then almost in the same breath talk talk bad about somebody else. James says that this is out of character for us as Christians. He asks specifically in this chapter how can the same tongue that we use to praise God also be used to curse our fellow human beings who are made in God's image. James goes so far as to say that this is unnatural for us, that it just shouldn't happen. It doesn't make sense for us to talk about God and with the very same mouth curse others. He says for us to do that is like a freshwater spring producing salt water. It goes completely against its nature. Or he says it's like a fig tree producing grapes or a vine producing figs. It just doesn't make sense. It just shouldn't happen. It's not the way those things were intended to grow and to be used. For us as Christians to use our tongues, our words to tear down others, is out of character with who God has made us to be. Because it is out of character with God Himself. We cannot be a people who are reckless with our words. Who think that our words have no consequence and that we can just spew out whatever we want to say without thinking about the impact that those words will have on others. Because you see, our words are an extension of our very selves. Our words are a reflection of our character. They are intimately connected to who we are. We see over and over again throughout Scripture the importance of words. In the creation narratives when it tells us that God created the world, it says that God did that simply by speaking. That our God spoke everything that is into existence. And in John's Gospel, at the very beginning of his Gospel, when he's trying to capture who it is that this Jesus is as he introduces Him to his audience, he calls Jesus the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And in the book of Revelation, when Jesus shows up as a conquering hero on a white horse ready to do battle, it says there that His name is the Word of God. But even more than that, Jesus shows up on this white horse as a warrior... And it tells us in the text that He has a sword. But the interesting thing is that Jesus doesn't wield the sword in His hand. It says the sword comes out of His mouth. Which I think is John's very clever and creative way of telling us that the only weapon that Jesus needs to face the battle lines of all the nations are the words that passed from His lips. We are a people who have been created by the Word of God. We are a people who have been redeemed by the Word of God. And we are a people who will ultimately be made new and be delivered by the Word of God. Certainly, As such a people who depend for our creation, our redemption, and our ultimate victory on the Word of God, certainly we will not be a people who are reckless with the words that we use. Search me. moment this morning, we're not going to drag this out, but I just know that this is a problem that it's just so easy to discount. It's just so easy to to say that that's not a problem for me, the, the way that I use my words. I just want to give you the chance this morning that if you want to come forward and seek God at these altars, you can do that and we'll gather around and pray with you. Again, we're not going to drag it out. If you want to come forward, come forward and pray. Receive the benediction. Almighty God of heaven and earth, who has created all things by your word, and since your word to dwell among us in human flesh, empower us now by your Spirit to speak words of life wherever we go. In your name we pray.